0: Welcome to the John Brown University Chapel podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. This week's series of messages is by Joshua Straub, a speaker, author, and family and leadership coach. He leads Famous at Home, a company equipping leaders, organizations, military families, and churches in emotional intelligence and family wellness. Josh is author and co author of four books including Safe House, how emotional safety is the key to raising kids who live, love, and lead well. Josh comes as a guest of the Center for Healthy Relationships at JBU. Thank you
1: all so much. And I wanna begin by uh, first of all thanking you for Tuesday because I realized that I ran over on Tuesday and I know what it's like in college when a chapel speaker runs over, and so I apologize for that, and I'm going to make it up by repairing our relationship and saying I will not do that to you today. Sound good? All right, so um, we talked on Tuesday about finding safe friends, what emotional safety looks like, and today what I want to talk a little bit about is You're gonna understand what it means to find safe friends, but I really wanna hone in on what it means to be a safe friend. There was a friend that I have today. Um, Our relationship started off a little bit odd. I was in my graduate school program, this was back in 2004, so we're talking 15 years ago. I was in, it was the first week that I was there, and I knew nobody when I showed up on campus and he was the first person that I got to meet. Um, I figured maybe it was because he needed a friend, right? And so we started getting to know one another during that week, and we were both grad assistants. And in the hallway of the counseling department, um, where we were at school, uh, is the hallway here. You have professor's offices where you would be, and then over here on the left, you would have cubicles. And in those cubicles are where the grad assistants sat to do their job, and at the corner... Uh, you would sit in the corner, so your back was to the uh, hallway. And after spending a week with this new friend of mine, and getting to learn who he was, and a little bit about him, I felt like I, after a week, knew him well enough. I'm a touchy-feely kind of guy. I like to give hugs and you know that type of thing. I felt like I had the uh, space to be able to walk up from behind him in the hallway and go and put my hand on his back and say, hey buddy, how you doing? But as I walked up to him back facing me and put my hand on his shoulder to say, hey buddy, how you doing? In less than a second, He stood up and threw his fists up to fight me. Today we're talking about how to find and be a safe friend. When I talked on Tuesday about the assurance, a safe friend being the assurance of life, not death, this isn't what I was alluding to, but maybe I was. That when we have friendships that bring us life or death. This is one of those friendships that has stood the test of time and has history to it, which is why I want to share it with you today because a lot of us have trouble finding friends. I asked on Tuesday how many of you can think or to think of your top five friends and and the reality is is some of us might not even think of five friends. Some of you are new here, you're freshmen, you're starting out and you're just trying to figure out what this friendship thing looks like and I really want to encourage you that it takes time, and sometimes friendships start like this. This morning, as we dive into what it means to be a safe friend, I want to talk about two different ways, two different, what being a safe friend looks like, two ways of being a safe friend. And I want to begin by the, in the book of Job, and I want to talk about Job's friends today. I want to talk about how they showed up for Job and to give you a little bit of a background of his story because it parallels in some respects the story of my friend. In Job chapter 1, I'm going to summarize this, Job loses, so if you're familiar with the book of Job, God and Satan have this conversation and Satan chooses to test Job because God is saying he will not, he will not falter in his righteousness. He will remain righteous, right? So it's kind of an odd story, uh, very poetic chapter of the Bible. But in, in chapter 1, uh, Job loses, mat. this is like in a matter of a minute. I, I don't know the exact time span that went here, but we're talking like 60 seconds. He, he, he loses his oxen and donkeys, so a messenger comes to him and says you've lost all of your oxen, all of your oxen and all of your donkeys. The Sabians swooped in and they took them away. While this messenger was still speaking, another messenger came and said a fire fell from heaven. It burned the sheep and the servants and devoured them. So he loses his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his servants, and then while that messenger was still speaking, he also came, another messenger came and said, you lost your camels. While that one was still speaking, another messenger comes and says, by the way, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners. It collapsed on the young people so that they all died. In the matter of 60 seconds, Job loses his wealth and his children And if you read on just a little bit further, you find out that not only that, he all of a sudden then loses his health, and his wife looks at him and says, curse God and die. If you're going to find a spouse, okay? But let's be honest. If you're Job's wife, let's give her some credit here. I mean, come on. How many of us have not gotten angry at God because of calamity that's impacting our lives? And look what happens with Job's friends in in Job chapter 2, verse 11. Now when Job's three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, heard about all this adversity that happened to him, each of them came from his home. They met together to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they looked from a distance, they could barely recognize him because of his health. And it says that they wept aloud. They wept aloud. And each man tore his robe and threw dust into the air and on his head. Then they sat on the ground with him seven days and nights, but no one spoke a word to him because they saw that his suffering was very intense. The first attribute or the first aspect of being a great friend is the ability to accept others as they are the ability to accept others as they are. You want to find also a friend who accepts you as you are, who accepts you in the condition that you're in. Now, we're going to look at Job's friends, and they got some things right, and they got some things wrong, they got a lot of things wrong. This is what they got right. Their presence. They didn't say a word. They didn't need to say a word. Safe friends, a lot of times, most of the time, are the people who are able to sit with you in whatever it is that you're going through and not have to say a word. Your presence is so important. Now, we all want friends who accept us as we are, and we want to be a friend who accepts others as they are. But what's the obstacle here? The obstacle is the fear of being rejected if we show other people who we are, or the fear of me with my friend accepting him as he is, and what if he actually does hurt me? What if he physically hurts me, but even more so, what if he emotionally hurts me? What if he betrays me, and I've poured myself out, and I've accepted him for who he is? As I got to know him, what I came to discover was that he had a past where he was hurt deeply in his family of origin. He had been hurt deeply through the years, and he had a rebellious streak, and he had this rebellion in him, and he still does to this day in a very loving and healthy way today, but then he was at a point where he was addicted. He was addicted to alcohol, drugs, pornography, And he was spiraling out of control. Because I looked at him and I said, whoa, dude, are you kidding me? Like, what the heck, man? I just wanted to give you a hug, brother. And what I came to learn about him is that he was in a position where he came to me a few weeks later and he said, Josh, if I don't do something right now, I will either end up dead or in jail. And I don't know if it was naivety or if I was just actually being a good friend. I don't really know that I knew what I was doing at the time. But I said, man, let me, and, and by the way, when I say that uh, Derek introduced me on Tuesday as a recovering human, I, I'm a recovering codependent. So there's a part of me that's like, was I being codependent in this relationship or was this a good, was this a good thing to do? But my encouragement to each of us is to do it anyway, to, to, to step into a friendship and accept people where they are in their brokenness. Because isn't that what we desire of others to do for us? And I said, man, I said, what can I do to help you? We were going to church together. We were starting to uh, go to the same church. We were starting to build same friends. We were doing everything we can. Because you know why? My friend was pursuing Jesus harder than I was pursuing Jesus. And I didn't have as much visible sin. My sin was, pro- My sin was more of the, of the greed and the pride and the stuff that Jesus rebuked the most his is more seen and addiction and that type of thing, and, 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 but he's pursuing Jesus, and that's what I loved about him. And so we got him out of the place that he was living in, and the Lord opened up a, an apartment two doors away from where I was living, and he moved in, to, in with me, or two doors down from me, and, and we just started doing life together in the same community, and I was with him. He started going to AA, and he gets to a point where he is five months sober. And we're doing life together, and, 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 and it's just a joy to do life with Him. Listen, Proverbs 18, 24 says, One with many companions may be harmed, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I used this verse on Tuesday to describe uh, that, that passionate friendship. A friendship that says, I am going to seek your best interest no matter what. Proverbs 27, 9 and 10 says, oil and incense bring joy to the heart and the sweetness of a friend is better than self-counsel. It's better than reading a self-help book. Don't abandon your friend or your father's friend and don't go to your brother's house in time, in your time of calamity. Don't go to your brother's house. Better a neighbor nearby two doors down than a brother who is far away. Better somebody who's going to have your back, who's going to stick closer than a brother, who's going to be there for you in your time of calamity. I remember just getting a call last week from another friend who's going through an incredibly, incredibly difficult season right now. And when I picked up the phone, I'll, I remember right where I was when I picked up the phone and, and, and he said, and he was telling me what he's going through and what his family's experiencing. And, and I'm sitting there and my son's in the back seat. We had just had our dog to the dog park and running around and playing and I'm having a good old time And prior to this. And I'm sitting in my driver's seat as we're driving away and I'm on the phone with him and I'm hearing what they're going through, and all of a sudden, I literally felt a tear. Tears start to stream down my cheeks because of the pain that my friend is experiencing right now. Some people say that as a parent, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. There's a degree to which a true friend, a safe friend, isn't gonna be throwing a party when their friend is broken. A friend, a safe friend, is going to understand the time that they're experiencing and what's happening in their life. And if there's anything that I want to encourage you, here's the plan. Here is your plan to accept others as they are. If you can, you will spend... I think your entire life, I'm still at 40 years of age trying to land this one verse and practice and live out this one verse in my life. And if you can practice this one verse, you will be a safe friend. It is James 1.19. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. A lot of times as friends, one of the very first things we want to do is we want to speak up. We want to give advice. We want to help them through. We want to fix their situation. When the best thing that we can do is we can be Job's friends in those first seven days, and we can just be present. And we can sit. And I also want to say one other thing. I was having dinner last night with Dr. Oliver, who's a dear mentor to me. And I mean that deeply. I mean, (laughs) you talk about a friend. And we were talking about what it means to be a good friend, and I was telling him a little bit about this story, and he said, listen, he said, we cannot be afraid to be hurt in relationships. You will not not get hurt in relationships. The question is, is Will you choose to be hurt while you're growing or will you be hurt? Let me rephrase. He he said, will you be hurt? You'll you'll either be hurt while you're growing or while you're hiding. The question is, I'm going to rephrase that to fit the context of the talk. Do you want to be hurt while you're living and bringing life or do you want to be hurt while you're dying? Spiritually, emotionally dying in hiding. We will get hurt along the way. And my friend, after five months, there was one particular night that he went out. He went out on the town. And and I said, brother, are you going to be okay? I mean, he's five months sober. He's got his coin. He's proud of this coin. I'm celebrating these coins with him month by month, day by day. And he goes out and he says, yeah, I'm going to be great. And and, And he goes out with some friends that I had never met before. And it was 11 o'clock that night. I remember exactly where I was. This is 13, 14 years ago. I remember exactly where I was the night that I called him on the phone. It was 11 p.m. and I said, are you doing okay? Because I haven't heard from you. And he said, man, he said, I'm doing, he said, I'm doing well. He said, he said, no worries here because we we went to church. It was a Sunday ritual for us to go to church together as brothers and go to lunch with our, with our, our group, with our friends group. And, um, and so I was like, he's like, I'll see you in the morning for church. Guess what? I showed up at church the next morning, and who didn't show? He wasn't there. I go home, I go and I have lunch with our friend group, and he's not showing up, and, and I go home, and one o'clock becomes two o'clock, and two o'clock becomes three o'clock, and I'm worried, I'm texting him, I'm like, what the world happened to him? At four o'clock, I get a knock on my door. And he comes stumbling in. And he said, man, he said, I have to confess. He said, I lied to you. In fact, when I talked to you at 11 o'clock last night, I was high. He said, I'm so screwed up. Except he used some different language. He said, I need help. I'm at bottom. Do you know the first thought that came to my mind? How could you lie to me? Are you kidding me? It went selfish. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. The anger was coming up. Now now did I have a reason to be angry? Sure I did. This is a friend I've loved. I've walked beside him for 5 months and now all of a sudden I feel betrayed. We want friends to accept us as we are. We want to be friends who ex- who we accept others as they are, but the number 2 point is that we faithfully speak the truth in their lives. That we faithfully speak the truth in their lives. And 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 in that moment, I had anger well up within me. But I took a break. And 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 by the way, this is this is a this is a a, a relationship where I can remember back to, and 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 I'm 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 angry. But not only am I angry, I cry easily. And I remember just crying. And all of a sudden, he started to weep, too. Remember Henry Nowen? I mentioned the quote that the, um, a, a true spiritual community is the safest place to hit rock bottom. In this moment, we were both at rock bottom. I felt like I was at rock bottom with him. He said, I have no idea how I made it home last night because I got pulled over by a cop and was asked to take a breathalyzer. It is only by the miracle of God that I passed that. Because he said, I have no idea how it happened. A cop let me off. He said, I think I only have one more chance. So from that day forward, he and I began another journey of one day at a time. But as his friend, I had to speak truth into his life and tell him that I am not going to enable your behaviors. I am not going to continue to have you coming back. Instead, what we're gonna do is we're gonna put even more accountability in your life. And I gave him a plan and said, you need to get this and this and this and this. And one of the things that we decided to do, but I said, I'm gonna do this with you, man. Because your pursuit of God, it, I envy your pursuit of God, and I need that too. Remember on Tuesday, I said, uh, our friends, we use our friends, but they use us because there's a mutually beneficial thing. Our, ah, oh, I get you. Wait, you too? I thought I was the only one. Our you too, I thought I was the only one was our pursuit of Jesus. So every morning from that point on, we met at the chapel on that campus and we prayed from 7 to 8 a.m. We we prayed together, we prayed individually, and we just started to pursue Jesus together. The Bible speaks of this quite frequently, of how to speak truth, and, and, and the interesting part about speaking truth is that we want to find friends who make us better, and we want to be people who make others better. But oftentimes, we don't like hearing the truth, do we? Or maybe we find friends who aren't very good at telling us the truth. Enter Job's friends. Because if you remember the story and you read the book of Job, what ends up happening is they go on and they just continually, I mean, they roast Job. They roast him. And they're like, dude, it's because of your sin that this is happening. It's because of you that this is happening. So rather than being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry like they did in the first seven days, all of a sudden now they're slow to listen, they're quick to speak, and they're quick to be angry. I think a lot of times what ends up happening when that happens to us in our own lives is that we haven't done our own work. What do I mean by that? think when that happens in our own lives, what ends up happening is, is we're quick to anger and quick to speak either out of our own pain from the past, because something's happened to us and we feel like we need to jump in and make sure, or it might be ignorance. We just might be ignorant to the situation. We we just need to grow a little bit more. I've had friends rebuke me, which I, I mean, by the way, this friend here has rebuked me on <laughs> so many occasions, it's ridiculous. I can remember being rebuked specifically, uh, especially from friends, where, because I have moved a lot in my life. And, 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 and you build a group of friends at one place and then you move and all of a sudden these friends feel abandoned because you're not calling them as much as, you, as, you feel, as they feel like you should be calling them or you're not keeping up with them. And then all of a sudden there, there, there's, I've gotten rebuked a lot from friends where I've moved away and, and I haven't done a good job of keeping up with them or, or, or that, you know, and back and forth. And, and, and I've had to look at my own life and say, man, am I really a good friend? And so we have to be open to listening to other people's truth. Jesus speaks about this. He says in Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. James talks about it. He says, my brothers and sisters, in in James chapter 5, 19 and 20, if any among you strays from truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the air of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Paul talks about this in Galatians. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you are to spiritually restore them with a gentle spirit. In other words, as Jesus came full of grace and truth, we lead in grace. We accept others and their story where they are, and then we follow up in truth. And I think Paul continued to get this right. Of course he did. He was the Apostle Paul, right? In Philippians chapter 4, Paul is in prison. He's in a very, very dark place because he didn't have the rights in that prison that our prisoners have today in America. So, he's writing from prison, and he says this in Philippians 4. He says, be anxious for what? Nothing at all, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with gratitude, of who your friends are, of who your parents are, of who the people are in your life, of of all your circumstances, with gratitude. God, I'm anxious, but I thank you, God, that you're a good God and that you're going to come through for me no matter what. Even if it's not the way I hoped it would be, you're still going to come through for me because you're a good God. Make your request known to him. And his peace, your peace, God, which surpasses all understanding, will calm my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I think Paul was the first neuroscientist. Remember on Tuesday I mentioned how the brain emotional safety is the ability to calm the fight and flight and freeze part of the brain so that we can think straight? You see, Paul is writing here, when you're anxious, when you're overwhelmed, when your friends are anxious and overwhelmed, you in a finite way with your presence become a peace that can calm your friend's brains to help them think straight through the situation that they're going through. And it's not until the next verse that Paul then writes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is pure, true, holy, anything excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think, dwell on these things. You see, I think Paul understood that when we're going through anxiety and difficult times, we can't think straight until we first go to the Father. We can't think straight until we first voice to God our pain, our anxiety, our fears, our struggles. And that to be a really, really good friend, to be an emotionally safe friend, is someone who learns to listen. To be an emotionally safe friend is someone who learns to listen, not just to our friends, but we first listen to God himself because 1 John chapter 4, we love, why? Because he first loved us. Now what does that look like? What does that mean? How, how can I put a plan? Okay, I know I'm supposed to go to Jesus. Like, I, Yeah, of course, Jesus is the answer. But let me go back to James chapter 2 verse 19 where it says, be quick to listen. How many of us are quick to listen to our friends in their pain and to the Lord? I want to encourage you today that my friend who was about ready to take me out and put me to death is one of those friends today who has brought more life into my life. He's one of those top five people that have brought more life into my life than anybody else on this planet. He owns his own counseling center. He helps other people who have been where he was. He has an amazingly beautiful family, beautiful children, because he's walked through and learned to listen. Listen to the Lord in his life. Listen to other friends. Listen to people. And I respect and I admire him. I have so much respect for him because of it. And it was an honor to journey with him through those early years. I want to encourage you that being quick to listen, I do not believe, I believe I'm standing up here today having the privilege to be with you guys and, and understanding this in the way that I have because of my own therapy. He's been through it. I've been through it. And I want to encourage you that I don't believe that therapy is for crazy people. I believe that therapy is for broken people, and I don't believe I have not met one person on this planet who isn't broken to some capacity. As my friend Miles Adcock says, you don't need therapy. We deserve therapy. So to take the stigma out of that, And I also believe this, I was talking to Dr. Oliver about this, I genuinely believe that every seminary should require their pastors to go through at least one year of therapy before they get their seminary degree. Because it's one thing to have the knowledge of God and the knowledge of grace and the knowledge of truth, but it's another thing to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry and actually apply that truth. And so I just want to encourage each of you today, that as you practice this verse, as you practice what it means to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, as you practice what it means to lead in grace and follow up in truth, go find people to do life with. Risk. Take the risk of being hurt in giving life. Take the risk of being hurt in growing. Because 15 years later, this friendship is one of the most life-giving relationships that I look back and thank God for that I've ever had in my life. You see, a lot of times, our inability to be quick to listen is because of something that's happened in our past. And a lot of times our inability to be quick to listen requires us to have somebody listen to us. We love because he first loved us. So today, as we close, I really want to leave here giving you permission to take care of yourself. Because when you take care of yourself, you will become a safe friend. Jesus says to love others as you love who? Yourself. If you love yourself and you start to take permission to pursue yourself only for selfish desires and not to serve others, that is not the gospel. The gospel is to love ourselves so that we can go and love others. So take permission to pursue your own journey of finding health, whether that's counseling, whether that's coaching, pursue your journey to truly listen. And I want to leave you with this learn to sit still with God learn to sit still. Remember, I started Tuesday's talk. I'm going to close out today by where I began. I asked you to give yourself the gift of your presence, to give yourself the gift of being present here. I'm going to close today by asking you to give yourself the gift of sitting in his presence, because it's when we do that that we become a safe friend. Father, thank you for this time and the privilege it is to be able to journey with these students. God, I pray for friendship. I pray a blessing, a spirit of friendship, spirit of godly friendship, covenant friendship over every person in this room, over this campus, that this campus becomes known for godly friendships, safe friendships, people who live in grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much. It's been an honor being with you this week.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and we'd love it if you would leave us a review.